0: Thank you, Wes. Um, If you don't have a handout, I brought a handout uh, for you, and I've got a bunch up here. If somebody could be available to just uh, pass them out, if you need a copy uh, and there's not one on your table, uh, raise your hand and we'll get a copy to you. I first met Henry Blackaby in 1986. Uh, I was working at the Baptist Sunday School Board at the time. And we were developing what we called the Lay Institute for Equipping. Uh, The idea that uh, we wanted to equip lay people for ministry so that they wouldn't have to quit their job and go off to seminary to be equipped to serve the Lord. Because uh, it's not just pastors that need to be equipped. it's, uh, It's dads that need to be equipped. It's businessmen. It's people wherever they live, that they need to be equipped to serve the Lord there. And and uh, we met Henry Blackaby, and he was speaking to a group in Toccoa, Georgia, and we realized that God had entrusted to him a significant message for the body of Christ on knowing and doing the will of God. We were wanting to develop a course on that topic, and I remember uh, somebody asked Henry, hey, on Friday afternoon during recreation, would you uh, speak to us about knowing and doing God's will? And Henry agreed to do it, and everybody skipped recreation to go hear Henry. And uh, Avery Willis, my manager, leaned over and he said, you think he's got enough to write a life course for us? And I said, I don't know, let's talk to him. And we began to talk and realized that God had entrusted to him a significant message for the body of Christ. And so over the next few years, I worked with Henry in 1990. uh, The first edition of Experiencing God came out. And it's been translated in eight countries all over the world. I even got to go to mainland China years ago and introduce it across that country. And it was actually being published in China. I want to share a a verse of scripture because of what Wes just shared with us. This is for New Canaan, uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened, and he heard, and a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Um, there's something about men talking together with one another that could be a very significant part of your life. And uh, this passage says those who feared the Lord got together and talked with each other and God paid attention. He was listening and uh, they began, there's something about when they talked with one another that they were getting their lives oriented to the Lord. They feared the Lord. They wanted to love and serve the Lord. And uh, God began to cause a clear distinction between the righteous and the wicked. And I would pose the question to you, is there a need for a restoration of righteousness in our nation today? There's most definitely is. And this is an, a, a forum in which you can... Allow God to work in you as you talk with one another and help and encourage one another and spur one another on to love and good deeds that God can um, can work in you. Um, when I first uh, met Henry and one of the things he talked about in knowing and doing God's will is who who's the best example we can look to? Well it would be Jesus because he's the one who perfectly accomplished the will of his father and uh, even as he was going to the cross and hanging on the cross he he realized lord uh, prayed the night before lord i finished the work you gave me to do he did it perfectly let me share with you from john chapter 5 uh, how jesus describes the way he knew what to do of his father and and did it in uh, verse 17 jesus said my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son, talking about himself, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Here's Jesus, the son of God, and he explained, my father's always at work. Um, And he says, now he's got me working. But he makes a statement that ought, ought to, get our attention. The son, talking about himself, can do nothing by himself. And we want to argue with Jesus and say, wait a minute, you're the one who um, healed people of all kinds of sicknesses. You raised the dead. You fed 5,000 with a few loaves and fishes. What do you mean you can do nothing? But he understood that it was not him that was accomplishing it. It was his father at work in him that was accomplishing that. And he said, uh, the father uh, loves the son and he shows him all that he's doing. And Jesus' approach to knowing and doing his father's will, he says, um, he looks to see where the father's working. And that's what he does. And uh, Henry Blackaby, as he um, came to understand that passage of scripture, realized that our job is not to come up with our plans and ask God to bless our plans. Our job is to watch to see where the Father's working. And, And when we see him at work, that becomes our invitation to join him where he's working. And perhaps the quote from experiencing God that I hear most frequently, I've even heard it a couple of times this morning, is look to see where God is working And join him Um, God's interested in in getting us from where we are into the middle of his activity and uh, God's work is not just for pastors or people who are called to full-time vocational service in the kingdom missionaries or uh, people like that Uh, God's got an assignment for every child of his He's created us to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and he's scattered his people throughout our culture and our society, and he wants you to be his representative where you are. Paul described the fact that we are ambassadors for Christ. We're co-laborers together with God. And I want to share with you just a real brief summary of Uh, the message in experiencing God with the hope that um, this will be something that would be instructive and insightful for you and maybe something that as you process it, you can share with others. And um, I asked Larry and Wes when I met with them and they invited me to come, if it would be okay for me to give you a copy of experiencing God. And they said, yes. And so uh, I've got, I think, enough copies for everybody in the room. And uh, after our session's over, if you'll come by and grab a copy, I'll need some volunteers that maybe help distribute those. But I want you to take a copy home as my investment in you because uh, God's got special assignments for every one of you. And uh, he longs for you to get involved in the middle of his activity. Uh, When Jesus ascended into heaven, he entrusted the entire future of his kingdom to his people. And if we don't do our job, people die and go to hell. And so we need to be about the work that God's called us to in the places where he's placed us. And I want to share with you uh, just some, uh, uh, the seven realities of experiencing God. You'll notice in, the, on the handout underneath the title, Experiencing God Workshop, I actually developed this uh, handout. It's called a learning map to, uh, to do a workshop to introduce people to the Experiencing God message. Um, But underneath that uh, logo at the top, in the center, you'll see a diagram. Uh, That diagram Henry developed to uh, illustrate how God was at work in the life of Moses. And Moses is a really good example of that. But as we uh, uh, articulate the seven realities of experiencing God, you'll find out that uh, people all through Scripture experienced God in s- similar ways. And uh, we call these realities because they're, they're not steps where you do step one and then go to step two and step three. The, the truth is that these are, are truths about our relationship with God and how he wants to work in us and through us. And some of them can happen quickly. Uh, they can happen all at once, and you can obey. The Lord prompts you to do something. You obey him, and it's done. Uh, but in some cases, there uh, it comes out over a l- lengthier period of time. Let me just uh, illustrate these for you, and you'll notice around the uh, edges of your paper some icons. Each one of those represents one of the realities of experiencing God. Uh, In your books that you'll be receiving, there's a bookmark in the back that's got the statement of those. There's a diagram on the back page that you'll have, but reality number one is across that top arrow uh, reveals God's work. God is always at work around you. The truth is that he's working all around you, but you may not see it or know it, but when God opens your eyes to spiritually see and understand what he's doing uh that's god at work and he's revealing to you what he's up to around you and as i uh, as henry summarized the ministry and message of jesus about knowing doing god's will uh, our job is to pay attention open our eyes and our ears say lord show me where you're working and When you're interested in me being involved in you, my answer is yes, whatever it is you ask. You'll see in that purple box uh, underneath the the purple arrow there, uh, scriptures that describe how Jesus uh, knew what to say and what to do, and that might be meaningful to you. Reality number two is that God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. And uh, this is perhaps one of the most critical of all the realities, because if you don't get this one right, uh, none of the rest of these things are going to come into play. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. You'll obey me. Well, uh, obedience is the reality number seven we'll look at in a few minutes. But if you don't have the love relationship right, everything else is going to be messed up. I remember talking to a group of college students as we were just coming out with this material, and a girl came up to me after my session, a college student, and she said, I wonder if you could help me with my problem. She said, I got saved when I was nine years old, but she said, I don't want to read the Bible, and I don't want to pray. And um I was just wondering what what's wrong with me because i know christians are supposed to want to do that and i don't want to do that what's wrong with me and so i asked her about her salvation experience and it sounded genuine to me and she said my dad's in the military and we moved around a lot she said every time we'd go to a new post and uh, join a new chapel i'd talk to my new pastor and tell him about my problem and i asked him What's wrong with me? And every one of them told me the same thing. Your problem is you're not saved. And she started crying. And she said, I'm humiliated. I've been baptized six times. I know I got saved when I was nine years old. I just don't know what's wrong with me. And so I said, "Um, tell me what it was like growing up with your dad. And she said, oh, uh, he was an alcoholic. She said he never hurt me physically, but he told me all, he would always tell me how ugly I was, how good for nothing, how lazy. I'd never amount to anything, and and uh, his words hurt me so deeply. I never wanted to be around my daddy, and he never showed any interest in wanting to be around me or spend time with me. And and I said, um, let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible? That unconsciously, you have attributed your earthly father's characteristics to your heavenly father. And consequently, you don't want to read his words because you think they're just going to condemn me and tell me how bad I am. And uh, and you don't want to spend time in prayer because you think he's not interested in me, he doesn't have time for me. And her eyes got real big and she reached up and grabbed my shoulders and started shaking me. She said, you got to help me. And I had the privilege of praying with her. But one of the things Henry and I have learned over the years that there are so many people in our culture that have had bad experiences in their life. And it may have been uh, frequently it was a dad. But sometimes it was mom. Or maybe some other significant person or something happened to them And they're going through life. They may know Jesus as their Savior, but they're going through life saying, God love me, don't get too close. And they're missing out on an intimacy with their Heavenly Father. And uh, God wants to cultivate that intimate fellowship with Him where you realize I'm deeply loved by my Heavenly Father. And he demonstrated that that for me perfectly when he sent his own son to die on the cross for my sin. And uh, he wants that love relationship with us that's real and personal. Uh, The next reality is that God invites us to be involved with him in his work. And uh, this is one that really gripped me when I first met Henry. I had gone to seminary, trained to be a pastor, was planning to be a church planter, and I made all of my plans of what I was going to do for God. And then I asked him to bless my plans. And when everything fell apart, And I was bewildered and and couldn't carry out those plans. My wife and I, when our money ran out, moved back to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, our hometown, bewildered. It was a year later that I met Henry, and I realized that I had it backwards. I had made my plans of what I was going to do for God, and that's not the way he does it. He doesn't need my plans. He's got plans. And my job is to find out what he wants to do, and he invites me to be involved with him in what he's doing. And that makes all the difference in the world. Um, God invites us to be involved with him. uh, And when we understand what he's doing, that becomes our invitation. When we see what the Father's doing and where he's working, that becomes our invitation You'll notice the two icons at the bottom, the the envelope is God's invitation. The the two uh, tablets represent God's word. God speaks to his people. And the the reason those are the same color is they overlap. God can't invite us to his work without speaking to us, but God speaks and um, those overlap. And so they're not just... um, once one reality there are two aspects of things that would be helpful you'll notice the last three realities are all green and that's because they overlap as well but um, let me just mention God's nature as we talk about uh, God invites us to be involved with him in his work God is love and consequently his will is always best for you Uh, Have you ever had somebody say, I'm afraid to surrender to God's will because he might call me to be a missionary in Africa? We need to understand that God loves us and he loves a lost world. And uh, wherever he places us in his kingdom work, that is absolutely best for us and for his kingdom may not mean that it's going to be easy it may be very challenging it, it may even uh, you remember his son what did he call his son to do go to the cross but the scripture tells us for the joy set before him jesus endured the cross he knew that the eternal salvation of humanity was on the other side of the cross and he willingly served his father. God loves us, and he loves the lost world, and his will for us is always best. Uh, God also is all-knowing. He knows everything about you. He knows your past, your present, your future. Uh, He knows all of the situation and circumstances around your life or in your business, in your family. And uh, when God gives you directions about what he wants to do through your life, those directions are always going to be right. You will never encounter a situation where God clearly leads you, and you start carrying out the assignment, and you hit a roadblock, and God says, "Uh uh-oh, I forgot to factor that in. We're going to have to back up and start over again. You ever had a business do that? You, you make your plans and objectives, and then a year later they say, cancel that, forget that, we got to do something different. Well, uh, God doesn't have to do it that way. So when he gives you directions, they're always the right directions. And then the third thing, God is all-powerful. And God can enable you to do all that he asks of you. He becomes your provider He becomes the one who does the work through you. In fact, in Philippians 2.13, it says, it is God who's working in you, causing you to want to do his will and then enabling you to do it. God's the one who works through us. And many of those scriptures about Jesus uh, from John describe the fact that the Father gave him the words, the Father did the work, the accomplishments of his life were because... The Father did those things. Um, The um, next reality, though, is that God speaks, and I don't have time to elaborate on this. That's part of why I'm giving you a book, so you can go study the details that I don't have time for this morning. But God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. When God saved you, he placed his Holy Spirit in you, and the Holy Spirit has an assignment to reveal to you the truth of God, uh, to reveal to you the truth that's in Scripture, and and uh, He's the one that God uses that he, that aspect of His person uh, of the Trinity dwells in you to reveal to you truth. And uh, there are several ways that God speaks to us today. The reality is God can speak any way He wants to, but. For for the most part, number one, he speaks through his word, through scripture, through the Bible. So God speaks through the Bible. And so when you're reading scripture and a verse just seems to jump off the page and all of a sudden you realize there's an application for me, uh, that's the Holy Spirit revealing the truth of God to you. Uh, God speaks through the Bible. He speaks through prayer. Prayer is not just me giving a list of requests to the Lord. Prayer is a relationship with the God of the universe. And we talk to him and he speaks to us as we pray. Frequently as we're praying, he may bring scripture to mind to instruct us or to reveal to us the application And uh, there's a great value in praying together because sometimes it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. God puts pieces together and together as we pray, we get the big picture and it takes our breath away. And we say, God, are you serious? Is that what you want to do? Ask me. And so God speaks through prayer. He speaks through circumstances. Uh, Circumstances frequently are those things that you realize now's God's time. Uh, when I worked with Henry Blackaby um, in 2002, I got an invitation to go to work in New York City, and I wound up commuting to New York City from Murfreesboro. Uh, I would once a month, I'd go spend three weeks in the city and come home for a week, and and it was uh, there that Henry Blackaby got ex- invited to speak at the New Canaan Society. So. It's a real honor for me to get to be with you guys today. But um, I had lunch with Jim Lane, and he invited me to come to his house for one of the New Canaan Society meetings. They had 100 people at his house for breakfast uh, when they would meet. And uh, Bruce Wilkinson was speaking that day. And then the next time I was there, uh, they had moved from Jim's house into a church in New Canaan where they Uh, started meeting at that point, and Henry spoke to that group. He spoke to the men that morning, and he spoke to the wives uh, during lunch that day. And uh, that was my introduction to the New Canaan Society, so it is an honor for me to get to be here with you today. Uh, But that was a circumstance where God used some circumstances to create opportunities for me to be involved in his work both in New York and in New Canaan. Um, Another way that God speaks to us is through the church or through other believers. And I need to pay attention to what God's saying to those around me. God has placed us in the body of Christ with Jesus Christ as our head. And his plan and purpose is to work through that body. And we need to pay attention to what God's saying to one another and uh, we've always got to take it back to the Lord. If you come to me and say, God told me that you're supposed to do this, um, I need to pay attention to that, but I've got to ask the Lord, Lord, was that you? And uh, sometimes it wasn't him. <laughs> and so I need, I need that, uh, that perspective. Uh, God speaks to us to reveal himself so that we can trust him. He reveals his purposes so we can be about his work. And he reveals his ways because you can't accomplish God's purposes in man's ways. And if you don't get those blanks filled in, uh, it's in the book. So uh, grab a copy. Let me just mention uh, in closing uh, these last three realities. When God invites you to be involved with him in his work, It's going to lead you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. The crisis of belief is not just something bad happens or some disaster. That's not the crisis. A crisis is a decision time where you've got to decide, am I going to trust God to accomplish what he just asked me to do? because I realize I can't do that. And don't be surprised if God invites you to do something that's going to require you to walk by faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But God invites us to be involved with Him, and it's going to require faith, but faith without works is dead. So it's going to require action as well. And uh, this is one of the two major turning points where many people miss experiencing God. They understand what God wants to do through them, and they're not willing to walk by faith, and they miss experiencing God. So it's going to require faith and action. The second major turning point, reality number six, is that to join God in his activity, you must make major adjustments in your life. You cannot stay where you are and go with God at the same time. And uh, there are many people who get to the place of adjustments and they realize that adjustments to God are going to be costly. Costly to me and costly to those around me And there are many people who look at the price and they decide, it's too much. I'm not willing to pay that price. And they miss experiencing God. We've got to make major adjustments. Moses couldn't stay in the desert and stand before Pharaoh to lead Israel out of captivity. Uh, And then the final reality is um, we experience God as we obey him and he accomplishes his work through us and uh, that that's where we're wanting to get to is that we experience god in a real and personal way uh, i've got so many stories i would love to tell you and i don't have time but i want to pray for you would you let me do that and remind let me remind you that i've got books available if some volunteers can maybe have some available for back door people and front door people and Heavenly Father, I want to pray for these men. I thank you for them that they they have found in this place uh, a, a safe place where they can get together and, and share life together with other men. And I pray that even in the days to come, as uh, you're speaking to them and guiding them, that even around their tables, these may be uh, groups that will strategize together and share with one another and hear from you and join you in your work, Lord. Minister to my brothers. I pray for their families. I pray for their churches, Lord. We need a restoration of righteousness in our land, and I pray that this will be one of those places where those who fear you get together and talk with one another, and you transform their lives and fill them with your Spirit and work through them to carry out your redemptive work and. Lord, our church, our our city, our communities, our families, our nation wouldn't be the same if we'll do that. Use us, Lord, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.